You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning, North Valley. Man, I love being with you guys. Sunday is my favorite day of the week, and you think, well, you're paid to say that, but I'm not. Uh, I love I love Sunday. Uh, I'm reminded of the goodness and the graciousness of God and singing and worshiping. And I want to encourage you as a regular habit of preparing for church on Sunday is that you ask God to start doing the work on Saturday night so that when you come on Sunday, you hear a fresh voice from God, that you are reminded of God's great love for you. And every time you take communion, do this. Remember, God loves you so much. That's what that's about. It's about God's great love for you. Uh, it was a sweet time of worship. Can we celebrate that for just a moment? This fun. Love, 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 love that. That's awesome. Well, hey, I want to say thanks for uh, uh, being here this morning. We're going to wrap up our teaching series. I hope that you found it really encouraging and helpful. Um, I want to remind you as well, neighborhood groups are kicking off. Um, they are going to be kicking off just real soon. I want to encourage you to sign up online. Good grief. Uh, this spring semester is going to be really, we have five months, January to May, uh, in the sense of just it's a really good healthy time for a lot of new people to be involved in the church. Uh, these neighborhood groups are, are a lifeline. I heard a, a lady tell me the other day, if it wasn't for a neighborhood group, um, she didn't know how she could get through uh, her marriage without that support uh, of that. So, uh, and same thing with uh, so many different uh, men I've spoken to is it's been a really great opportunity. I want to show you this video of a family uh, that's leading a neighborhood group. Check this out. Good morning, North Valley. We're the Smiths. I'm Rob. I'm Carla. I'm Reagan. We've lived in our house for about three years now. And in three years, I think we've met one neighbor. Yeah. So to say we have felt disconnected in our neighborhood is probably an understatement. Um, in September of last year, we felt called to check out North Valley. So we did. And we've been here ever since. In January, we joined our first neighborhood group. Mm -hmm. And that disconnected feeling is certainly gone. Um, you know, it's great to have a group of people that we can share life with, whether that's the highs, the lows, the everything in betweens. Um, some days you just need a little extra Jesus, at least I know I do, and that's what Neighborhood Group has done for me. Not only do we feel more connected in our community, but it has helped us feel more connected as a family as well. Reagan, what do you like about uh, Neighborhood Group? I really like that we just get more Jesus and God and we get to connect our relationship with friends and really just have more time with Jesus and God. All right. There's good food, and we want to invite you to come out of your comfort zone and grow. And I heard something about a dance-off at some point, so we could use some extra dancing skills, too. Thanks, and we hope to see you soon. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, hey, we're going to go ahead and get started. If you would, stand up, and we're going to read the word. I'm going to read it out loud, and you can follow along with me. Uh, the Apostle Paul is going to help us understand uh, the great rewards in living a generous life uh, this morning. He says, the point is this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely and he's given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes uh, from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord, amen? You can be seated. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're the greatest giver of all. Uh, Lord, help us to see what um, you've been doing throughout the ages in the hearts of men and women and churches to share in be a giver and a servant of you, the almighty king of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. There's two kinds of givers in life. Uh, the apostle Paul helps us to understand that. There are those who give sparingly and those who give bountifully. Look what it says in the text, verse six. He says, the point is this, is that whoever sows sparingly, so that's one kind of giver, will also reap sparingly. In other words, if you're a sparingly giver, um, you're, in a sense, you, uh, you give, the Apostle Paul would say, is you're giving reluctantly. You're giving under compulsion. Um, you're not giving with a cheerful heart. You're not giving, uh, deciding ahead of time. It's more of an impulsiveness. And he says, there's little reward in that. There's, you will reap sparingly. And then he goes on to say, but whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. There are those in life that are give sparingly and those who give bountifully. Which kind of giver are you? The Apostle Paul uh, is indicating to the Corinthian church, not that these folks aren't giving, and they're needed to give, and here's why. Because um, the church in Jerusalem is struggling. That's the mother church. That's the first church that really took off. Um, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus had told uh, the disciples to go into Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, and the beginning of the church would start in Jerusalem, and then it would spread out. Well, this is some 50 years later and churches are beginning to grow up. And guess what? The church in Jerusalem is under a famine. There'd been a famine. There's many orphans in the uh, Christian community. There is uh, widows in the community and they're struggling. And the apostle Paul has uh, planted a number of churches, including the one in Corinth, which is one of the most strategic locations for him to uh, establish his church, comes back and visited it. Corinth has got a lot of money. They're doing well. And Paul's challenging them uh, to not just excel in areas of gifts or service, but in the area of gifting of giving, and specifically to relieve a need, and specifically the famine in Jerusalem. And so he calls for them to give, and he's going to help them understand there's a reward in giving. 
And so Paul helps us understand there's those who give sparingly and those who give bountifully. What does sparingly mean? Sparingly means that you give uh, reluctantly and you give your spare change to something. Um, if you're a sparingly giver, you probably don't have a plan towards giving. Um, you probably just give when you feel guilty. Or you're, maybe you're afraid of not having favor with God, and somehow your, your, your giving is just uh, an impulsive thing. And that's not at all the kind of givers that the Apostle Paul's saying is going to reap great rewards. In fact, he says, the point is this, whoever so sparingly will reap sparingly. There's little reward in sparingly giving, but there's a lot more reward in the bountiful giving. God does not spare anything. And actually the apostle Paul said to the church in Rome, he says, God didn't even spare his own son. He, he, is not, he doesn't spare anything. Um, and so we see in, in this language here, we have to ask the question, there are those who give sparingly and those who give bountifully. Those who give bountifully, what does that mean? It means literally that you're giving on the basis of blessing. That's exactly what that word means, bountiful, is there's a basis that you're giving is on the basis of being blessed. All throughout redemptive history and understanding God's work with people is that he blesses people, not for themselves, but to be a blessing to others. In fact, even the nation of Israel is called and set apart to be a blessing, not for themselves, but for all other nations. And the church in the very same realm, very like it, the church, God wants to use Christians and bestow blessings, not for greed, but for generosity and use the blessing to bless others. And so bountiful givers are those that are giving out of a cheerful heart. The apostle Paul talks about this. He says, God loves the cheerful giver. Their giving is giving is motivated towards helping meeting real needs in the lives of people. Bountiful givers, they make decisions ahead of time. They're giving out of the basis and the presumption that God is the giver of all. So let me ask you a question. Which kind of giver are you? Are you a sparingly giver or a bountiful giver? And it doesn't necessarily always uh, mean how much you give. It's just, are you doing it? And are you doing it out of a cheerful heart? Um, I want to encourage you too, is that your giving decision ought not to happen on Sunday morning. It ought to happen in your, in your living room in a conversation with your spouse or on a, on a quiet walk between you and the Lord. And you just say, God, I, I want to I recognize and show evidence of your work in my life and, and be generous with all that you provided. That's where the real decisions ought to be made. And then you come here and you support uh, the work that you sense God's provoked on your heart to give towards. Always give with cheerfulness and always give making a decision ahead of time. As the Apostle Paul has outlined, that's the kind of bountiful giver. If you want God's reward on that, then you walk in obedience and faith in that. Let me ask you a question. What's your view of God? Do you see God as a giver or do you see him as a taker? You know, that will affect your understanding of how good God is and how generous you will be is your view of God. If you view God as a taker, then you'll tend to be the sparingly giver. I mean, who wants to be taken from? So you think about God in the sense of a giver or a taker. 
You know, even at the church early on when we were facilitating offerings, uh, I encouraged that we change the language instead of saying, ushers, you may now proceed forward to take the offering. I said, I don't think we should say that. I think we should say, offer, uh, uh, ushers, you may now proceed to come forward to receive the offering. Because it changes really the expectation and understanding of how your heart should be. Your heart should be is not, you don't give under compulsion. You're not being taken from. You're giving out of going, I'm giving on the basis of blessing. I see God as a giver. And you willfully decide and make a decision. Never give a penny to this church or any other church under compulsion, guilt, fear, or anything like that. Always give ahead of time an understanding. I want to give so I can honor God and further his kingdom work. And so the Apostle Paul wants us to understand before he gets into uh, kind of helping us understand the rewards behind being a bountiful giver or a generous giver, he wants to make sure that we have the right thinking and theology of who God is. Do you see God as a giver or is God as a taker? God is a giver. Look what the Apostle Paul says, and he helps the current Corinthian church understand this. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food and supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The Apostle Paul envisioned God as sovereign over all of creation, and he owned everything. He owned the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the trees. He owns everything. Everything that we see that we put our hands to, God's the CEO of that. And you say, well, I'm the one who went to work and got the income and got that. Well, God's the one who formed you and fashioned you before the foundations of the earth, numbered every hair on your head, gave you every skill, every ability, uh, planned it and purposed it that you would be born in a certain family, in a certain town with certain opportunities, That's the sovereignty and the big picture of who God is. And so you always might want to recheck who's getting credit in your life. And the line always goes back to God. He's the giver. He's the biggest giver. And the apostle Paul wants us to see that. He starts that for the church in Corinth, and it's true for us. Here's three things you need to see. Paul said is God supplies, God multiplies, and God increases. He's the one. He's the one who supplies you of your need. He supplies me of my need. He supplies me of my need emotionally and spiritually and financially. God is the provider. In the Old Testament, he was called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. He is the provider. He is the supplier. He multiplies. God multiplies. What does that mean? It means when you give in obedience, God will multiply your resources. And you say, how how do you find biblical basis for that? We'll we'll look at the text and see, but let me illustrate with a story from the life of Jesus. Remember the story when Jesus fed the multitude, the little boy came forward and everybody was hungry. And he says, I have a few fish and a few pieces of bread and I'll give that. And he gives that, but there's not enough food. And the disciples even doubt it and say, what in the world are you doing? You know, little boy, like there's not enough here. And God multiplies that. See, in our giving, what God promises to do is that he will supply, resupply, he will even multiply, and he is the increase. God's resources always outstep yours, always. You need a man uh, list 
theology. Or let me put it like this, you need a God-centered theology and understanding of stewardship, money, resources. God owns it all. You're just a steward, you're a manager. And he's the one who owns it all. This is what the Apostle James said, for from uh, every good and gift, uh, every good, every gift and every perfect gift is from above, good gift, and is coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, shadow due to change. That's a big picture mindset. God is not a taker; He is a giver. And if you don't understand that, then you'll be the sparingly giver. You'll be the giver who gives sparingly. God rewards generous givers. The Bible says is that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. The question comes is, what is this increase of harvest of righteousness that the Apostle Paul has spoken about to the church in Corinth, and what does that mean for us? I think there's five points to help us understand this, uh, aspects of this harvest of righteousness. Um, number one is that God gives a greater ability to be generous. That's a really cool and great thing. Um, look what it says is, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. In other words, God, as you're, you make a commitment to generosity, God resupplies, God increases, and, and God multiplies resources in the condition that you're going to walk in faithfulness and be the giver and, and not the taker. God wants to use uh, Christians and people all around the world um, that have a generous heart to further kingdom work and mission initiatives and outreach initiatives. And it reflects his love that God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God's a giver. And the Apostle Paul begins with helping us understand there's a reward system involved in our generosity. The first thing is that God gives a greater ability to be generous, not a greater ability to have personal gain. Uh, that would be more along the lines of what's called prosperity uh, gospel theology, that, God, that your material wealth is a sign of all of God's blessing and that you can use it for yourself it's what's been called an overrealized eschatology that you need to be like a king in life. And actually the opposite is true. You need to be the servant. You're called to carry a cross, not wear a crown. This life is, is a life that God's calling us to shine in the midst of challenging circumstances. And so there's a promise though that should encourage us that God gives a greater ability to be generous. He, the, uh, Paul in, reminds the Corinthian church they will be enriched in every way, uh, to be generous in every way. Jesus said, "You will. it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, additionally, just to clarify, like, what is the purpose behind this? Why would God do this? I thought Randy Alcorn said it well when he said, God uses uh, giving and increases people's uh, resources not to increase their standard of living, but increase their standard of giving. God wants to uh, bless others through your life. Everything that you've got, God sees it as a his and his property and his possession and wants you to be a good steward and faithful manager of it. But he wants to use you to help other people. I want to encourage you, this whole message series was not at all designed to help get more money for the church. 
uh, the message series was designed to help cultivate a right thinking and theology on money, stewardship, possessions. If you noticed, our class workshop was actually designed to create a spending plan for you to learn how to manage your money, and our call to giving has actually been simply to help sponsor a needy child. Last week, I made the mistake on your program and gave you the wrong code, so when you search for Dominican Republic kids, you probably got kids in Africa and everywhere else. Uh, so this week, I've corrected it, and the generous challenge is, is that you would consider uh, sponsoring a child. Why do we do that? Well, we're kind of following along with the text of what the Apostle Paul was calling the church in Corinth to do. Use your money to help meet real needs of people around the world. Number two, Paul says, it teaches us this morning, it helps people to thank God more. Paul would have understood it that the Jerusalem church would have been giving thanks to God for the church in Corinth, hearing about their generosity and seeing that they're going to meet real needs. He says, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When you give um, to help even sponsor like this child that we're asking you to consider doing that, uh, prayerfully consider to do that, um, there's a great deal of thanksgiving that goes on for these children. It literally affects their lives. When you choose to support a child, you know, it gives them uh, food, uh, gives them the proper nutritious meals, uh, loving support of a Christ-centered environment and a learning center and education. And then when we send our teams, there's already kids that have been invested in by the lives of people like you. In Paul's day, what he's calling is, is he's saying, I want you to realize there's a reward in helping um, people thank God more. Um, additionally, he, said, he helps us to understand that it's a joyful ministry of meeting and leading. What I mean by meeting is that when you give to help um, people in need, there's a great sense of leadership in that. And you should lead, you're leading them uh, to Christ, not to you, but to Christ and your meeting real needs. This is what the Apostle Paul says, for the, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs, those are real needs, food and hunger. There's a famine going on for who? The saints, those are the saints, those are the Christians in Jerusalem. He says, but it's also overflowing. Here's another reason why it's a joyful ministry. It overflows in many thanksgivings to God. Um, what are the many thanksgiving? I think first is that the Jerusalem church is gonna feel blessed. They're gonna feel loved. And everybody loves to feel loved and thought for. If, you, if your uh, love language is the gift, uh, is gifts, um, you, you know, you feel loved. Uh, the church in Jerusalem would have felt loved because it's not just simply a gift, it's meeting real needs, as the Apostle Paul says. There's many thanksgivings to God. The Jerusalem church is also, it's an opportunity for them to see, and Paul understands this, is an opportunity to see what's called the, a Gentile church. It's an ethnic, different group than the Jewish church. They're going to see them giving to the Jewish people, which there's been some racial tension and God's going to use this to make all sorts of wonderful things happen. Additionally, there are Macedonian churches that have already been included in this offering to help meet real needs and back in Jerusalem. Um, churches like Philippi and churches like Thessalonica uh, there have been participating. And additionally, another thanksgiving to God is that it's a public witness. When we're helping people, like in the Dominican Republic, that's a testimony of the generosity and the grace of God at work in Phoenix, Arizona. 
So there's a joyful ministry of meeting and leading. You know, I mean, we, we as a church historically have sought to help meet real needs. When I first showed up in Arizona, I met with the governor and asked what were some of the key needs in the city, and they talked about uh, food insecurity in Deer Valley. Well, since the time uh, this church has uh, started, we've helped feed over 2,000 f- uh, uh, families in the uh, Deer Valley community to help uh, secure just uh, food during uh, holiday seasons. Um, we help bring a lot of awareness to the foster care crisis, and there's, it's, a, it's a big issue. These kids are orphaned, and uh, just on the front page of the Arizona Republic this morning, it says every, listen to this, every 40 minutes, an Arizona child is removed from his or her home. Every 40 minutes in Arizona. I mean, the church in, in, in Arizona, in the city of, of Phoenix Valley, um, we are in an interesting time. I think we're about to raise a fatherless generation, a, a motherless generation. And, and so, you know, the church has always got to be what the apostle Paul's talking about is people that are motivated not to just take care of themselves, but to take care of others' needs as well. Um, why? Ultimately, it brings God glory. It brings God glory. Number four, giving brings God glory. He says this, by their approval, that's the church in Jerusalem, of this service, that's this ministry of giving, uh, they will, what, glorify God. What does that mean, to glorify God? I think it means going public with God's infinite worth. To give glory to God is a public understanding that God is of infinite value, that God is of an infinite worth, and it's declared and it's demonstrated by the church. We can say God is good and God is, should be glorified and all that stuff, but it, is it demonstrated? And the apostle Paul seems to connect the two, that the demonstration uh, needs to be vitally connected to the declaration. In other words, what is said about God and who he is and God's grace and his goodness needs to be connected to the demonstration, the living it out. And he says, by their approval of this service, meaning receiving this ministry to help relieve the needs in Jerusalem, what, what are they gonna do? They will glorify God because of your submission because when you give, you're submitting yourselves. You're the servant. God is the king. That comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ. You know, when we commit ourselves and we understand the good news of, of, of God, that we, we, are, we give God our sin and he gives us righteousness, it creates in us a desire for generosity. It should, at least. And the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. Um, it brings God glory. It meets real needs. I want to pause for a moment and tell you a, a story of when I was in seminary. We didn't have a lot of money. And in fact, we got so financially destitute that we could barely cover our bills and where car was going down and breaking down and uh, there in Dallas. And I went to a counselor at the school and told him that my family was struggling to make it. And he said, what do you need? And I said that, that word need. And that's been mentioned in the text multiple times. There was great need in Jerusalem. 
And uh, I said, well, I need help in transportation because my wife's working and she takes the car and I travel, I'm traveling over an hour and a half to get to the seminary by uh, bicycle uh, and train to get to the school and bus. So three modes of transportation. And they said, well, we'd like to help you with that. And they said, there's a donor here in the school that has donated some stuff. We'll get back to you. And I got news. They sent me a message and they said, hey, we want to let you know a donor, donor stepped forward and they're donating you a car. And I said, man, that would be amazing. Told Leslie at dinner, sweetie, the seminary called and they said that somebody's donated a car. And I started thinking, maybe it's like a, a cool car, like a Corvette or something, you know. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, don't get your hopes up. And... uh so I go to the seminary, and they go, well, it's not much, and it was a minivan, and it was wood-paneled, you know? So I decided, you know what? Man, it was a blessing from God. It was wheels, man. So I went home, and my kids named it the Swagger Wagon, Woody. They named it Woody, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a humbling process because when I got married, it's just like I felt like my life got on fast track for ministry, and I really did. I had to give up so much, and uh, the, the older I grow in my faith and as a father, too, you realize life's just not about you, you know, and it's so much more blessed to give than it is to receive, and uh, so through that process, you know, like I, get, I had sweet four-wheel drives growing up and doing all that, and then I got married and I got like a Nissan Sentra, you know? It's terrible. And uh, if you got a Nissan Sentra, it's not a slam on you. I just, man, I, I'm used to trucks, you know, sweet trucks. So then, so then I get, go to seminary and get, I, get, I get humiliated with this little uh, minivan and uh, receive it, though, and the kids love it. That made it a lot better. The kids thought it was cool. Let's go on a ride in Woody. So I'm driving them around, embarrassed, <laughs> but happy at the same time. And I go down the road from time to time, and I give God glory, and I say, thank you, God, for providing for me, meeting my needs. Thank you for that. And then when I got uh, out of seminary, I had the opportunity, uh, I had a dear friend that I loved tremendously. He was a former worship leader. He struggled with uh, bipolar disorder. He was like the Van Gogh of music in the church. Uh, super, super creative and brilliant mind. And uh, always up and down, you know, that's the way it goes with that disorder. And uh, he could never hold down a job. And he didn't have a good father, and uh, he struggled a lot to feel loved by God. And so I'm driving up from Dallas to Little Rock, and I start praying while I'm in Woody. God, you've been so gracious to me. God, you've been so good to me. Even in this blasted little Woody, I thank you for your goodness to me. Um, who do you want me to give Woody to? And Anthony came to my mind. And I went and I, to Little Rock and I met with Anthony. How are you doing? Working at Starbucks. And he says, I'm, I might be losing my job. And uh, my transmission just went out. And I'm scared to death because I don't know how to pay rent. And I said, well, God's been good to me, Anthony. And uh, I came today because I was just asking if God would 
give me an opportunity to be generous back. He's blessed me. And today I want to bless you. Here's a, a new vehicle. He loved it because he's a musician. So he could load all his music gear in the back of Woody and he had nothing to prove and no one to impress. He was better off in that department than I was at the time. And it was a joyous experience. When you give, it's a joyful ministry of meeting real needs and leading. I'm not asking you to give to the church today. I'm asking you to think about sponsoring a child in great need. Why? Because it's joyful. Man, getting to meet real needs is probably one of the richest things you could experience in life. And leading, leading people to praise God, to go just at the right time this gift showed up. Just when I thought it was over, God used you to make an impact in my life. Giving brings glory to God. It's going public about the infinite worth of who God is and what he's about. Number five, I want you to see this morning is that giving unifies believers. When you give towards like, just say the Dominican Republic, the Christians in the DR say, we're in this together. We're not forgotten about. These children have their needs met, not because of we're the good indigenous leaders, local leaders in the DR, although that's important, but there's a, 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 a surplus of riches that are flowing into this uh, mission house, this learning center to flourish and give the needs that these children need. There's a partnership that goes on, giving unifies believer believers all together. The Apostle Paul um, understood the really big importance of this. Uh, he says this, that this will be the result. While they, that's the church in Jerusalem, long for you, there's this affectionate now disposition, which has been previously a historical, racially uh, tension area in the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. It'll change that in the giving, therefore, while they will long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace upon you. And then Paul ties it back down into an understanding of how good God is. He says, thanks be to God. God is good. God's the greatest giver. God's the source of every blessing. He says, for his inexpressible gift, that gift is Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul starts this whole generosity conversation with the church in Corinth, talking about the grace of God. And here is where he ends it. And to him, he thinks everything starts and ends with God when it comes to about resources. I want to encourage you to think about how you're doing in this area. I want to, I'm going to ask some of you to stop giving if you're giving under compulsion if you're giving out of a reluctant heart, I want to encourage you to take a walk today. Go on a walk and look up at those mountains, uh, the Sonoran foothills, and look at the homes around there and think about how God's made everything and ask him and say, God, where's my heart? Do I really see that you provided everything for me? Some of you can't see the goodness and the graciousness of God, and here's why, because you've focused on your problems way too much. You focused on your problems and you haven't looked to God's plan and purposes. And that is a problem. 
it will blind you from understanding the goodness and the graciousness of God. At the root of everything you believe about wealth and money, I think you need to understand that God is the giver, that God is the source and he is the supply and he multiplies and he increases. If you believe that, then the fruit of your understanding and your beliefs and root system about riches and wealth, the fruit of that will be generosity. The fruit of that will be generosity. God unifies believers when we give together. I want to call you to make a commitment to sponsor a child uh, this week. Thankfully, I've got the, the, the search code correct so you can really see the real children in the Dominican Republic. You ask, why am I asking us to do that? Because here's what I'm thinking. Uh, out of a church of 300 plus people on an average Sunday, 400 plus that call North Valley home, I understand not everybody's going to go do a mission trip. I wish you would. I think it would change your life. Uh, we'll be doing uh, mission efforts to help bringing hope to the hopeless uh, throughout Phoenix, Los Angeles, Dominican Republic, and Nepal. And praise God, your giving was great in the area of the hope offering. Every initiative that we set into plan and prayerful faith to do and accomplish over the next 12 months, your giving uh, was enough for us to do that, just barely. And uh, you guys gave for local and global missions over $14,000 alone in the last couple of months. Can we celebrate that? So, you know, I mean, your, your generosity determines mission impact. Um, so you did that. We're good there. Um, where I'm asking you to consider is uh, a monthly commitment to uh, a child uh, the, in the Dominican Republic. And that doesn't go to our church at all. It goes to an organization that we love tremendously and have many faithful members in our church that know them thoroughly and believe in the leadership and uh, in the work that they're doing in the Dominican Republic. The money goes towards uh, those efforts there to help minister to over 200 uh, orphaned and uh, kids in poverty in the Dominican Republic. Why do I want you to do that? Because I believe wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart will be. And I would love for your heart to be out of Phoenix from time to time. I'd love for your heart to be in places all around the world where God's heart is. Oh, God's heart is here in Phoenix and your family and you're in the North Valley. He loves this place, but he has a global plan. And we are not a, just a local church with a local mindset. We have a global vision to do what the Apostle Paul talks about, bringing ministry and relief all around uh, the, the world. So let me encourage you in this. Uh, I want to show you a video of what God's been doing in our family. Uh, my wife he has uh, taken up the call to step forward and go to the Dominican Republic. Uh, she's supporting a dear friend who will be leading the Dominican Republic mission trip this summer. I want to encourage you after service to go meet Christina out by the missions banners. And over the next few weeks, we'll be highlighting our, our, our work um, outside in the hallway in Nepal, in uh, Dominican Republic, uh, in Los Angeles, and, and, and in Phoenix. Um, but check out this video of uh, Leslie's going to share a little bit about what she got to participate and do this last uh, summer. Hola, 
Leslie Rice here. I wanted to take a minute and share with you about my trip to the Dominican Republic last summer. So I had the opportunity to go with a small team from our church, North Valley. We went to the Dominican Republic, which is a Spanish-speaking country off the coast of Florida. It shares an island with Haiti. One of my highlights from our time there was meeting Jeffrey. Jeffrey's an eight-year-old little boy. He has three brothers, a mom, a dad, and they live in extreme poverty. Our family now sponsors Jeffrey. Through sponsorship, we get the opportunity to help cover his medical costs, provide nutritious basic meals, and help with his education. Through sponsorship, Jeffrey's chances of graduating high school are much higher than they would be without a sponsor. There are a lot of little Jeffreys out there, a lot of kids living in extreme poverty or living as orphans. And our family has the opportunity to help make a difference one child at a time. This summer, I look forward to going back and seeing Jeffrey again and taking my daughter Riley with me. Riley looks forward to meeting Jeffrey. We're praying for his, his family. We're practicing our Spanish. We're writing Jeffrey letters, um, sent him a Christmas package, and look forward to seeing him again this summer. Would love for you to join us. Adios. Well, on your program, you've got the North Valley Generous Challenge. Uh, this is the last week that we'll be promoting this, uh, but I want to encourage you, you can go online today and in, on the, at Vision Trust, and at the upper right field, you can see, just type in DR006, and uh, if you didn't grab one of these programs, grab it on your way out. Let's stand, and we're going to worship together and uh, close out our time together. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.